Starship, New Country. What kind of name is that? New Country, maintain your current vectors, and wait one, we'll get you final vectors to your landing pad. Oh hey, I, uh, I didn't notice you there. Welcome to Landing Bay 04, where we talk about all things geek, including board games, video games, aviation, and the like. Donovan, otherwise known in the tower by the call sign Scooter. Today we are going to be talking about a solitaire board games. A lot of times when uh, I mention it, friends of mine will always ask, you know, how's that done or why would you even do that? Well, today we're going to just talk a little bit, spend a few minutes talking about why you might want to get into a solitaire board gaming. And for those that don't know, a solitaire board game is just that. It's a board game that doesn't require any other players to be present in order to play the game. It's kind of like Solitaire, the card game that we've all played either on the computer or with an actual deck of cards. But that's really all Solitaire board gaming is. You're just playing a board game by yourself and nobody else is needed. So why would you even get into it? Well, for starters, scheduling. I mean, we're all busy uh, nowadays. It's definitely really hard to get people together to just sit down and play a board game for a few hours or so. So it's kind of relieves that that pressure that you don't have to schedule it with anybody else to be able to play a game that you really want to uh, or a game that you really enjoy you know that will require others to participate so that's really cool Uh, it's really cool that you don't have to schedule it with others you can just play it wherever you want to whenever you want to if you have a nice table a nice room you can just leave it set up if you have to leave and then come back a little bit later so it's really cool It also relieves the pressure of you being the rules guy or the rules person. You don't have to spend the first, you know, 20 minutes, 10, 20 minutes just teaching the rules to somebody else. Once you have an understanding of how the game works, it's all good. You can pick it up and get started. And so that kind of relieves a little bit of pressure of having to talk in front of your friends and explain every rule just to get them started or even avoiding the whole uh, part where you forget something. Sometimes that happens. You'll forget a, a rule or two that might be pertinent to helping the other opponents win the game. It just happens by accident. It's okay. It's okay. But it avoids uh, that small discussion that uh, somehow you're cheating. And quite simply, it's just you forgot to, to tell somebody a really important part of the rules. It's okay. It's all good. Uh, so it definitely relieves that pressure off of you. And for me personally, uh, playing solitaire board games kind of is therapeutic. It's concentrated on the game, you're enjoying the game, especially when uh, a board game is really immersive. It kind of helps put everything off to the side for for a few moments. Kind of like, you know, video games that are are immersive. Helps you just kind of concentrate on what's going on and not so much about what's going on in the real world, you know? A little escape. It's kind of therapeutic. Another thing that uh, is super fun when it comes to solitaire board games is 
Uh, you don't have to deal with any cheaters at the table. And you know who you are. Those that are listening, you know who you are. The ones that tend to forget to discard a card or hold something that you're not supposed to, or however other way, claiming ignorance to the rules from before. It kind of avoids the, the cheaters of the group. I mean, not that it isn't fun from time to time, but, you know, it gets rid of that small annoyance of those that are just uh, wanting to cheat just because. But if you're really not sure about getting into solitaire board gaming, that's okay, because if you want to start getting into it, the community is fantastic. If you go to Board Game Geek and look for potential solitaire games that you want to get into, or you may have questions, or you're already starting trying to play a solitaire game, you have questions on that, the Board Game Geek community is fantastic to help you to learn the rules, offer suggestions, things like that, and you can start forming a nice little community on your own, if you so desire. But that's really neat, is the community of it all is really, really helpful uh, to help clarify anything to help refine anything and even sometimes uh, the community will start making uh, new rules or coming up with new scenarios to download for free or something along those lines uh, variations all that stuff so that's pretty fun now uh at a later time we we can talk about some suggestions for introductory solitaire board games that i would recommend or also some intermediate or even some advanced solitaire board games that you may want to look into uh, if you're already familiar with playing some complex board games or playing your out of the norm board games of like Monopoly or Trouble or Sorry or something along those lines. <laughs> we can, we'll, 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 talk, we'll discuss that at another time about uh, what are some good ones to get into that the community likes and also ones that I personally enjoy myself. But before we get there, a lot of times people want to ask is... How do these solitaire games even work? I mean, without players, how does that, how does that work? Well, uh, several different kinds of board games have several different kinds of ways of how to play the game. Some just include charts. Uh, like, for example, if you're familiar with Fields of Fire, a strategy solitaire board game, uh, when it's your opponent's turn, your AI opponent's turn, you just draw a card, it'll tell you, sort of, draw a card go through a chart and it'll tell you exactly who does what and then you go on from there uh, others just use straight charts like a flow chart uh, some may be familiar with gmt games the coin series uh, if you have your ai opponents they all use flow charts and it will tell you exactly what they do and how other times it's just straight cards you'll draw a card from a deck and it'll tell you exactly how the opponent acts or reacts or some of the actions that they take some just use dice to tell you uh, what to do. Uh, DVG games, most of theirs will use dice to tell you how something happens, like if an enemy advances or not. And usually uh, it'll tell you if they make an action against you or attack you or whatever. So to use dice. Or some may even use a combination of all of those things. Uh, a dice to check a chart. Or a die, excuse me, uh, to check a chart. Or draw a card to check a chart, or all three of them. You know, dice, cards, and a chart. Either one of those things. But that's how it works. And for more freeform games, like Gloomhaven, uh, you'll draw a card. It'll tell you what uh, the enemy does. But there are some rules as to how they react. Like, who are they focusing on? Who are they going to attack specifically? 
you know, your characters that you play as in Gloomhaven can modify that. So all of those things are all wrapped into one, so you don't really need to have a human opponent to play against. Sometimes the mechanics are just, it's you against the board, and that's it. So it's up to you. But that's generally how solitaire games work. You have your own turn. After your turn's done, then it's the opponent's turn. Goes through the flow chart. You roll some die, draw some cards, go through the steps, and then it's back to your turn again. So sure, you may not have that live body experience with talking to somebody else at the table, but at the same time, it allows you to play a board game that normally you wouldn't get a chance to play, or perhaps your circle of friends, they don't really want to learn this new board game because they think it's too complicated, or they're just not into that kind of thing, and it's kind of hard to find people to bring together to play a game that you really enjoy, or a type of game that you really enjoy. That helps out quite a bit. And also some things that I personally enjoy is the fact that you know, when you do actually get a chance to play with friends, you know, it's great to get together with friends at the table and talk and have fun in general. But what I sometimes tend to find is that when we do get together, that's all we kind of do is just talk amongst ourselves instead of actually you know, playing the game that I had gathered everybody together for. Uh, so that, for me, that kind of is slightly discouraging because I really want to enjoy the game. I really want to enjoy everybody else's company and I want to combine the two. But it either turns out to be one, we just sit around the table and talk and not really focus on the game or just kind of half pay attention to the game or it's the other way around where it'll just be total focus on the game, no real table talk. And then that's when people start getting disconnected or they disengage with the game and it's not particularly fun for really anybody. And it kind of avoids that situation when you play solo. For some like, uh, you could get disappointed with, you know, you make a big purchase, like Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is like the most expensive game that I have in my collection right now. Gloomhaven, if you don't know, is like between 100 and 150 bucks or to buy. So I don't want to invite a group of friends over to play this really expensive and this real all-encompassing board game and then we either are bored with it as, as a group, we just sit around and talk about stuff at the table and not really play. It's kind of disappointing that you have such a great legacy game and it's not really being played or focused on or paid attention to. One of the things I like about solitaire board gaming is that you avoid that kind of situation and you can just focus on having some fun. Now it's not to say that all board, my board gaming experiences have been like that, where it's either one or the other. I've, I've had multiple, many, many, many times where you play a board game and it's a mix of everything. It's nice, good table talk, uh, lots of jokes and friendships that have been formed. Everybody enjoys the game and it's it's a great time. So no, I'm not saying that I'm a total hermit or whatever and just want to play by myself all the time. I'm not saying that. Even though I just talked about all these things that I've observed when it comes to playing board games. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I want to be a total hermit and, and selfish and just trying to play all on my own. And if solitaire board gaming didn't uh, get your mind blown then, we're about to really blow your mind when I start getting into you can play any type of tabletop RPG without a game master or dungeon master. But before we get there, I gotta clear new country for getting into his landing pad. So give me a second. Yes, you heard me right. Any tabletop RPG you can play solitaire. And I'm going to go through how you can do that. Starting off with picking a game, really. So you can do whatever you want. You can do Dungeons and Dragons, any variation of that. 
You could do uh, the Star Wars RPGs, any variation of those, whatever system you decide to pick, pick one, and then we can go from there. But for my example, we're going to start with Star Wars Edge of the Empire by Fantasy Flight Games, one of my favorite Star Wars RPG games ever. We'll go through the character build, and then we'll go from there. So starting off with uh, the character that I've made first, I knew what kind of specialization that I wanted to get into. The, the character name is Koro Roves. The class that I've picked, I've always wanted to play once I found it or read about it a little bit farther was the colonist, specifically the marshal. I think that one is in the Far Horizons, which is like the colonist book for Age of the Empire. So uh, the marshal sounds just exactly as it is like your town sheriff or something along those lines. So I wanted to play that class. Uh, and the obligation and motivation that I have rolled for the marshal is uh, disgraced. So the background for the marshal was that he is was part of the security force on Ord Mantel. Uh, was basically a, a dirty cop. You know, taking bribes to falsify information on criminals just to make basically a quick credit. Was a, a compulsive gambler. Uh, and because of that, would accept any sort of bribe that he would get to pay off any anybody that he was in debt to. So that really any case that he was assigned to go investigate or to go do, you know, criminals would always somehow slip through or would be one step ahead of security. So that, that time didn't last for very long. You know, he got caught and was pretty much sent to prison for a short amount of time. Oddly enough... Uh, a criminal that was paid by the security to rat him out to save on his own prison time. But Cora was sent off to prison for being a dirty cop. So in that in that sense, with the obligation kind of filled out his background. And because uh, he did all that, you know, disgraced uh, on Ord Mantell for, for his terrible, terrible deeds. So most of Ord Mantell knows that, you know, he's he's got a bad rep, right? Now the motivation that is being brought out for him is, oh yeah, by the way, the race is a human when, when I rolled for it. Kind of boring, I know, but we'll just roll with it. No pun intended. But anyway, the motivation is legacy. That time in prison gave him a little bit of, a little bit of time to think about what was going on with his life, how he ended up where he was. So if he could ever get out, he was going to make sure that he was going to make better choices and wants to be remembered for the right reasons and not for the wrong ones. And that's that's his motivation is just he wants to build a positive legacy for his name. Not undo, but try to outdo the bad that he did prior to his uh, time spent. That would be to his detriment. So he'll do anything to make a legacy Something that will outlive himself and overshadow his days as uh, a cop on Ord Mantel. So those are the main things with obligation and motivation. Why he's doing what he's doing. Now, uh, the skills that I have selected. So with the, the colonist uh, specialization or colonist class, excuse me. I chose streetwise, negotiation and deception and charm. I can't remember. I just wrote it down what main skills uh, that, that he was supposed to have, but I, I can't remember if it was four or three. I think it was four. But anyway, streetwise, negotiation, deception, and charm are the career or, or yeah, the career skills that I've selected just as the base because the way I want to play this solitaire campaign is more of investigation, kind of, sort of. A little bit of investigation, you know, into like the underworld of Star Wars. So just keep that in mind. And then for the martial specialization specifically, the skills I have selected was Ranger Light, because of course you need to defend yourself. You never know what kind of situation you're going to get into. And then the knowledge of the underworld, because that's primarily where this campaign is going to take place. 
so that's the character or the class that I really want to play and then the character that's built around the class that I wanted to play under the colonists. So you could do whatever you would like, whatever helps you. Uh, in my case, the story pretty much wrote itself or his backstory wrote itself once I rolled for the obligation and motivation and then what kind of campaign. So it does take a little bit of work to figure out what you want to do in your campaign. You have to have some sort of story in mind. It can't just be uh, you want to play a campaign and that's it. You need to build a world. You'll have to build one. Further along the line, I'll, I'll give some tips on how to build a world real quick without having to put too much thought uh, in into anything. You can just use it as a reference. For in this case, I, I knew what I wanted. I wanted to have more of an investigation in the underworld, just like a procedural campaign where one thing leads to another and then it leads to something really big. That makes sense. Okay, figure out what kind of campaign you want to play as. There might be a couple of generators online or a couple of books that might give you an idea of how to run a campaign or what you want out of a campaign if you can't think of anything. So for that, if you can't think of anything, um, if it's sci-fi, I use the Frontier Space Referee Handbook. It's for a whole completely different RPG system specifically made for any kind of sci-fi story that you want to tell, and it's got a lot of good resources in there, not just building out a campaign, but also building out specific adventures using its own generator. You could build out a whole star system. There's a generator for that, uh, a generator for creating your villain, your top villain, your top antagonist, and what their motivations are and what resources they have, how they got those resources, and how they can use that against you as the player. And it has other things in there, like building complexes, like if you need to infiltrate somewhere, there's a generator to build a room, what each room is, so you can get as detailed as you like. All right. So that's like one of the things that you could do. And actually, I use that for each uh, each session. I use the adventure generator to give me a sense of where the story is going. Uh, if you want to have complete randomness and you don't really want to know how to get from A to B, you can do that. Uh, it just becomes a lot harder to figure out when to introduce the next story beat to continue on. But you can totally do that, keep it completely random. But for me, I want to just sit down for you know, 20, 30 minutes be able to play a story that means something to me or that I get something accomplished and have a meaningful share in in the campaign. So I've generated a adventure already where point A starts and then where point B ends. So I know exactly what I need to do. But in terms of the in between A and B, that's where things get random. And who knows if I'll actually end up at point B. I don't know, but I know where I start and I kind of know where the story is supposed to go, but the way the dice roll, we'll see if it actually goes that way. So I hope that makes a little bit of sense on how to start off with an RPG campaign on your own. So just a quick small review on that, just pick a system, whichever one that you're most comfortable with or whichever system that you want to play as. Because again, talking a little bit about before in solitaire gaming, where you don't have to worry too much about scheduling people to be there, uh, being prepared, uh, and all that good stuff, or getting off track and not being able to actually play the game. You can enjoy the story your own way. You can also avoid having those ones, you know who you are when you're listening, the ones that come up with the crazy plans or derail the entire campaign. <laughs> I mean, that it does make for some good stories and stuff, but if you want to continue to stay focused on 
<laughs> your campaign and its main story. So pick a system that you want to use. Next thing is to generate your character. That's pretty self-explanatory. Just build it the way you would normally build it out uh, when you would play uh, with other people. Just build whatever character you want, however you want. So once you have your character built, now it's time to come up with a campaign story. Uh, now for a campaign story, with your background, you may already have an idea of what it's going to be about. And if you don't know what it's going to be about, you could use you know, the adventure generator from anything online or from specific books. Like in my case, uh, I had mentioned Frontier Space before, the referee handbook. That's where I could generate something because I didn't know how to get to point B or how it would even start. But once I generated the adventure, now I have why Koro starts his adventure the way he does. And then I can move on from there. Or you could get any sort of ideas from uh, the FFG books for Edge of the Empire. They have so many different ways on what kind of campaigns you can have with every single class, how to introduce them. They even have pre-built campaigns for you to run or campaign ideas for you to run, job ideas for each certain class. So don't worry about too much about the, the campaign because we there's so many resources that are out there that you can utilize to your advantage to get something started. So those are the, the main things that you would want to do if you want to play an RPG system on your own. Now, the big question comes into play is who is the game master or who is the dungeon master? Now, there are AI kind of game masters that are out there where you ask it a question and it gives you a response. And normally it's a yes, no, or you know, yes, but, or no, but kind of answers. But the one that I like to use a lot for a AI game master is Mythic. Uh, that's pretty popular. That's around. Now, I don't do the original Mythic system. I actually have bought the Mythic Variations number two, and that has a simpler version of Mythic where how it works is you come to a point where you don't know what to do or what's next or what you're looking at or what's going on so you ask a question for instance you're in a town square on a planet and you're looking for a specific someone and you don't know how to get there you ask a question within yourself or you may even write it down however you want to do it you ask a question do i see someone who looks like who i'm looking for and then you roll some dice and there will be a chart that'll tell you oh yeah you find somebody that uh, looks like the person that you're looking for or it could be, nope, or you don't find the person, but this person knows who you're looking for, so you initiate a conversation with them and try and get information out of them. That's kind of how the mythic works. And if you're still struggling with the why and the how, there's another chart that gives you some descriptions. For instance, I was on a planet a couple campaigns ago, and Imperials showed up, and I was trying to figure out if one of them was an officer, because I was looking for one. So I asked Mythic, is one of the officers or is one of the Imperials an officer or an agent? And the answer was no. So I said, okay, well, if the answer is no, what else is there? So then I asked for some detail, rolled on the charts, and it basically came out to say a certain amount of athletics. And then this is where it becomes all about context. So I'm on a planet 
Imperials show up, obviously with some sort of intention. I'm looking for an officer or an agent, but I don't see one. But what's going on is a certain amount of athletics. So how I interpret this is that Imperials are on the planet. They're rounding up individuals uh, in this small town. And as they're doing so, shooting just breaks out. And the Imperials have the upper hand by reacting quickly and getting undercover as quickly as possible, thereby gaining the advantage. At that point, a shootout begins with me uh, in the middle of it. So then I have to roll uh, for initiative and then start combat from there. So that escalated quickly, but that's how it works. I'm there, I'm looking for somebody, but something completely unexpected happens, and now I find myself in the middle of a shootout. So that's how Mythic works. And again, it can be applied to any RPG system that you pick. So that's the greatest thing about uh, Mythic is that it's very versatile. And that's how you can continue playing. You get to a point, ask Mythic a question, it will tell you something, and it propels a story in a direction that you didn't know that it was going to go, and all sorts of other things can happen. Now the next question comes into play. I have a Game Master. It helps me continue my story and helps with everything, my investigations, combat. Uh, in the combat system, you just use whatever the, the RPG system that you select. You just use its combat system and off you go. Now, people ask, well, how do you talk to people if you know there's nobody there to interact with you face to face? Or there's no game master that can act as every NPC that you come across? How do you, how do you talk to people? Well, that's what I love about Mythic Variations. The second one is it comes with a little section where it has everything that you need to talk to somebody. Again, you, you have to use context with everything. So let's say, for instance, you find that Imperial officer. From what you know of the Star Wars universe, a lot of them, they don't really want to talk to just the average Joe Schmo, right? So they're not going to be particularly nice and may even be impatient with you at first. So you can have that in mind already. Or you could roll uh, for a character just a little bit. What are their motivations and things like that. Uh, and based on what their motivation is, what their personality type or personality trait is, you can then roll for their disposition. And this is where the book comes into play. So you roll for their disposition. It gives you an idea of how they're going to respond to you. So you ask them a question or talk to them, whatever it is, that, whatever kind of dialogue you want to say in your mind or you write down. So you talk to this person. You first roll for what exactly are they doing? Because again, you have uh, their occupation, like their job, uh, personality trait, and you go from there. So for instance, the initial response could be a theme action, which then you have to have a theme for the conversation. So like the Imperial officer, or perhaps it's just uh, a stormtrooper that's a sergeant. You go up to them, theme is, you know, you're looking for somebody. So with the context of looking for somebody, this stormtrooper is doing their own thing. So in keeping in their current theme, they may turn to you and stop what they're currently doing and give somewhat of a little bit of attention to you. So you have that in mind already. Then you uh, roll the disposition table. Uh, so the disposition is like passive, moderate, active, or aggressive. So it could be active, meaning this character, this NPC, wants to make known what they're doing. So you already have this in mind, and then you roll on the action table. 
and action. Now, as you're doing all these things, there are modifiers that are coming into play that'll uh, modify the next roll. So you could roll on uh, the action table, the roll that comes up saying that, you know, this NPC seeks to end the encounter. So you already have everything in place for how this stormtrooper responds to you. So keep in mind, they're currently doing something. They stop for a moment and give attention to you because you're looking for an Imperial officer or an Imperial agent. The sergeant, want, the stormtrooper sergeant wants to make known that they are currently rounding up these citizens for something else and he's seeking to end the encounter. So he says something that wants you to stop talking to him and then ends the encounter there. And if you try to push it, well, then it could escalate into, you know, shootout or you getting arrested yourself. But that's how this NPC interaction works when you want to talk to somebody. You have to have basically an identity, exactly like their occupation, personality trait, which again, within the mythic variations too, there's quite a few tables in there that'll help you with all of that, with just like nouns and adjectives and things like that. Uh, so you have those things, you come up with the theme of the conversation, whatever is going on, or what, what are you seeking out of this conversation? What is it that you want to talk about? And then that's when you start rolling on these tables that give you a really clear idea of how they respond. And if you still struggle with what they're talking about, like let's say we ask this sergeant something, for whatever reason the stormtrooper is a little bit nicer to us or to you, the role comes up that they're just talking or they give exposition to something and you don't know exactly what the sergeant's going to talk about or how they respond to you. So that's where the descriptor tables come into play because you could roll on it. It could roll, you know, irritatingly uh, mature. So uh, with those with those things in mind, let's say that you talk to this stormtrooper. They're moderate, meaning they're neutral to you. They talk in an exposition, and the way they do it is in a mature way, but it's irritating. So perhaps the stormtrooper is irritated that you even asked him a question, but he's not going to get mad, but he's just going to tell you, hey, move along, we have something going on here, we're rounding up these citizens, and maybe he even tells you why they're rounding up the citizens. And if you don't know that the answer to that question right off the top of your head, you could roll again on the descriptor tables to give you an idea of why these citizens are being rounded up by the Empire. And that is how you can run an entire campaign without a game master. You have Mythic that gives you all the answers to your questions, and it's all about context and how you interpret what's going on. As you can see in my small example of talking to a stormtrooper or asking Mythic a question that could end up in a combat encounter. Now, all of that is fantastic when it comes to wanting to play a campaign, and it makes things interesting on how they respond and how you respond to situations that you may find yourself in. You know, you use the same system for generating quests or talking to somebody and trying to get information out of somebody to generate a quest for you. You have all these different ways that you want to go. And again, it just depends on how or what kind of game that you want to play. Now, and then in the next coming up several weeks with, I'm going to try to get these podcasts out, you know, at least once a week, we'll continue on with how this campaign runs in Star Wars. So the way I'm going to do it for Star Wars is I'm not going to play every character because I'm obviously not like a voice actor that's a professional voice actor or anything like that or practicing how to do different voices and things of that nature. So the way I'm going to play the campaign is I'm just going to give you like a report as, as to what happens, but I'm going to have a lot of surprises along the way when it comes to how 
I do that. But that's that's in general how uh, a solo campaign works. And I'm going to basically show you how the games are played and how you can actually have a real fun time with uh, playing an RPG system on your own. So that'll be a regular segment of, of the show is the solitaire Star Wars campaign. Who knows? You may be inspired to make your own campaign. And I would love for you to do that and then to leave comments on how it's going and what you created. Because it'll be interesting to see what other people come up with when it comes to uh, solitaire RPG games. Or maybe you've already made one on your own and just talk about that. It would be really cool to see. In the meantime, I gotta guide new country into their landing pad. So this is your host, Donovan. Or, as I'm known in the tower, by the call sign of Scooter, I'm signing out.